0: Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver, and remember you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today our very special guest is Raymond Arroyo, who probably doesn't need an introduction, but I'll do it anyway, and I always like the the descriptions in the Twitter feed. He's a dad, New York Times bestseller, author from Will Wilder series, uh, managing editor, host of World Over on EWTN. Fox News contributor, and I probably could go on for another 10 minutes. You have so many things going on, Raymond.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you for having me, Deacon. (laughs) Uh,
0: You know, we're going to talk about uh, the book you just wrote, a children's book. It's called The Spider Who Saved Christmas, A Legend. Um, But, you know, you do, you're working on so many things. Is this almost a respite from the real world world problems, whether it's in the church or in society? Is this almost a a place to go and kind of get away from all the craziness?
1: You know, that's an interesting question. I, I When I wrote Will Wilder, and I'm still writing the fourth Will Wilder book now, um, I used to say Perilous Falls, which is where that story is set, that that was my refuge, you know, from the madness of the world and where I reconnected to reality. Um, and in some ways, The Spider Who Saved Christmas ended up being the same thing for me. It, uh, you know, I like the variety of it's not an escape from reality. Right. It's an escape into reality. Because <laughs> That's true. So often, yeah, so often what we're dealing with, I mean, these bizarre stories, the, the politics, the church, the scandal, it, 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 if I dwelled on that all day long, literally my soul would collapse. So um, having this outlet is so important, I think, because it allows me to bring something that I otherwise can't always bring, which is hope and clarity uh, to to my readers. And I think that's uh, uh, important, particularly at the holidays. And uh, The Spider Who Saved Christmas is an old legend that I sort of stumbled upon. You know, I, I love origin stories. Anytime I can explain where something came from, I'm fascinated by it. Um, and, and at the holidays, I think we do things almost by rote, you know, we put the mistletoe up, and we put the tree up, and we put bows on things. But we don't often think about why we do these things or where they came from. Well, this story, the the, the spider who saved Christmas, explains why we decorate trees with tinsel this time of year. So that was really my first, um, you know, impetus for wanting to capture this story and pass it along um we, we you know the 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 it's an ancient story it goes back centuries but in eastern europe it was very popular for a time you can even find uh spider ornaments that people put in the branches of their trees in addition to the tinsel and it's an homage to this spider who encountered the holy family when they fled bethlehem on their way to uh to egypt and it fills an interesting gap i think in the Christmas story that we don't often think about, we kind of breeze over it. Yeah. So I like those kind of tales because they—they they, um, look. Any time you can you can find a story that's part of the greatest story ever told, why not tell that one?
0: Yeah, kind of hard to pass that up, isn't it?
1: You're right, and and also it's it gives it furnishes us with a new opportunity to encounter and um, mingle with these characters that we take for granted, mainly Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus. And I do think you come away with a new understanding of them, their dynamic and interaction, uh, because they're in crisis here. You know, the the, the baby Jesus is being hunted. Uh, You've got Herod's soldiers after them. And Mary and Joseph are on the run. I mean, this is a terrible and frightening moment for them. And so I think in many ways it speaks to where we are now as well as a people.
0: Well, and I, uh, you know, I had mentioned before we got on, you know, I read it to my grandson, who's five, who just, who loved it, but, you know, even had interesting questions. Why are the soldiers after him, Pops? You know, why are they doing this? And, you know, the illustrations in the book are just magnificent. I mean, he was laughing when he saw the spider. He liked the spider so much. I think we'll probably have to have a spider on our tree because of you this year.
1: You you see that no I people do like the spider the kids love the spiders adults have problems with the spiders but <laughs> the kids the kids don't it's so funny you know it's, it's it's a little bit like when in my um in the Will Wilder books I would get letters from parents saying your book kept me up at night you know the Will Wilder encounters demons in the book and the parents are petrified the kids are perfectly fine but the parents are petrified and again. Uh, what I love about writing for, you know, they call them children's books or picture books. Actually, I, I think they're people books because when when people ask me, what's the age group of this book? I say three to 103 because yeah. it really is about what you bring to the tale. And The Spider Who Saved Christmas speaks to little children because it's bright and it's pretty and it's fascinating and there's a thrill ride of a story. But to adults, it tells a very different tale about family, and love, and sacrifice, and the core of the book, which is you can, and I think this is where, I may have said it earlier, sometimes stories find you, and this story found me, and I think we'll find anybody who, who, you know, goes toward it. Um, In this COVID reality we find ourselves in, we're all like this family. We're in our cave, we're hiding away, we're trying to protect our family and each other from death that's just outside the door. And yet, if you take the time to see it, there is hope, even in the darkest of places. And these people encounter and find that hope and faith um, allows them to survive. And I think that story and the idea that we're all here for a reason, which is really what Nophilia's story, The Spider, is all about, Um I think that's important for our kids and for us to be reminded of this time of year.
0: Well, I think you kind of stole my next question, because that was exactly it, right? The all-here-for-a-reason that Mary keeps bringing up throughout the book uh, does really resonate, right? Because we talked about the crises that are going on in the world, the political environment, uh, you know, COVID, all—it just seems like, you know, everything's run amok. But we're here for a reason, aren't we? I mean, this isn't like we're here by chance. We're supposed to be doing something, right? Living out this faith and— and sharing that faith with people in a world that, geez, it needs it as much as it ever did.
1: Well, Deacon, the, the, you know, I was very um, explicit with my publisher as well as the illustrator, and we went through three illustrators on this book, I'll have you know, um, because a certain author was not pleased with the first batch of <laughs> illustrators. <laughs> so we we moved on till we found the right guy. And Randy Gallagos did such a beautiful job capturing the drama uh, and the beauty of this story. And I, you know, I, I despise kind of stayed boring pictures. I don't like picture books that are just, you know, and I've read a lot of them, had to review a lot of them, read a lot to my children, you know, where they're just kind of people standing around. These people are in real drama and action throughout the story and the spider. Um, and so it was really important for me that we capture that, that it have a classical feel. I mean, when you look at these pictures, you're like, "Wow, you know, this this seems very familiar, yet it's new." Yep. Um, Randy did all of these uh, paintings by hand. These are all canvas paintings. He doesn't work in digital, which was important to me on this project because the story has weight and is an old story. It's an old legend, so I wanted it to have that classic feel, and I think it does. But you're right, we it is it is an old story that's contemporary and this family is taking action they're moving they're going they're in they're in they they're doing what they're supposed to be doing in that moment and that's what all of us are called to do you know um a few years ago we were in virginia and my middle son wanted to he he really didn't like virginia and he didn't like the schools he was in and he said i'd like to move back to new orleans i said well you're not going back to new orleans we don't live there but your grandparents are there but we're not there um and anyway through a series of events we we ended up contemplating moving back to new orleans and uh, my pastor told me you know mary and joseph only left town two times both times it was for the kid so I, I that convicted me in many ways. <laughs> and this yeah. is, what, what you get in this story, in The Spider Who Saved Christmas, is one of the times Mary and Joseph left town for the kid. And um, and I think it's important. I think it's an important story. And I, I love that, as your grandson uh, uh, showed, it, it, children respond to it in different ways. And they're encountering this story in depth for the first time. And I think it's important to give them an interesting on-ramp into the story and not take any of it for granted.
0: Yeah, I um, mean, my grandson's five, so he doesn't really get everything. But I mean, right. it, it does. I mean, I think the beauty of the story is it generates questions and conversation afterwards. Uh, right. You know, and even you know, guards being afraid of a spider, even though they have spears and weapons, uh, he found funny. <laughs> yeah. Like, geez, why are these adults afraid of spiders? You know, I mean. I would recommend right. this for anybody to order for their kids for Christmas. I just think it's 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 beautifully done and the story's great and it does generate great questions. And again, the theme, you know, we're all here for a reason isn't by accident.
1: Right. No. Nope. No, it isn't. And I think um, I want you know, in the telling of the story, I was very it took it. I, I will tell you, I worked a lot on the beats of the story, the dramatic shape of the of the tale. And I, mm-hmm. I don't want to bore people with all the mechanics of the, of the writing, but um, you only have 40 pages. So it's a really limited canvas for me. You know, I'm used to writing novels. I'm used to right. writing long form. So this is kind of very difficult because you're, 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 you're in a very limited format. But um, in some ways, it's like a, a, a short movie, you know. And when Randy came back with the, uh, the the layout, you know, his sketches of the illustrations, it really looked like a movie storyboard, you know. It, yep. and, and when you flip through it, it feels the same way. I wanted it to have that dramatic tension, that feel. And yet it hits – I think those important moments, and it's a reflection of, look, th- there are not too many lovable spiders in literature. We have to be honest.
0: Charlotte's Web is the only one I can think of, yeah.
1: Right. Aside from Charlotte, you know, yeah. there's not too many other contenders. And Charlotte, incidentally, is also an orb weaver. Uh, this breed of spider, it, you know, mine is a golden orb weaver, which spins the rarest yellow silk uh it is prized throughout the middle east it's was sought after in the middle ages i mean it's a very refined and luxurious silk um so i i chose that breed particularly it does it is native to the the middle east so it's it would be a spider they might have encountered um so i i was very deliberate in the way i kind of shaped this but at the heart of its message it's about sacrifice it's about all of us being here for a reason and, um, and finding hope where you least expect it and not giving up, not giving up. And I find a lot of people today, particularly in this COVID existence we're in, they're just giving up and we can't. We have to respond in the present moment and, and, and live and be with our families and uh, go out to our neighbors and friends. It's important, it is important.
0: Well, we are the church militant, and people tend to forget that, right? I mean, we're—and, you know, you see it, whether it's in the church, you know, whether it's it's this China deal, whether it's the financial scandal, whether—you know, we're still waiting for the McCarrick report. I mean, it just seems to go on and on and on, and if our church isn't worth fighting for, what is?
1: Right. Well, that's what I love about your—I mean, your grandson said, why are these? Why are those soldiers afraid of that spider? Yeah. I'll tell you why. Because that is the church militant. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's not the spider they're afraid of. It's something. It's what's behind that spider. And I think that's all of our stories. You know, this is David and Goliath. This is this is uh, you know Jesus facing Satan. This is the big stories that we all write about. It's good versus evil. That's and at the end of the day, it is often. And and you know, people ask me what's the through line between. Will Wilder, all your Mother Angelica books, and this story. And the through line is, in all of them, you have a despised, uh, marginalized, forgotten person, or animal in this case, that people just dismiss and think nothing of. And that is the person or the creature that is used by God to bring grace and hope and, and sometimes fight for us in the midst of the chaos we see in the world. And that is a reality. And I think it's a reality that's, that kids understand perhaps more than adults do. So I, I love this, um, this format, this, this type, this type of storytelling allows me to reach, uh, a slightly different audience. And I think, um, it's a, it's a story that needed to be preserved. All stories, I think Deacon are, yeah. you know, stories are containers of, 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 wisdom, collected wisdom and truth. um, and it, 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 some of these stories, it's important that they go on. Others are less important. This is an important story, I thought.
0: Well, I mean, I mean, you said it, right? Whether it's COVID, you know, we have the political environment. You got Antifa, Black Lives Matter. I mean, you have so many guests who come on and say, look, we, we have to fight this. You know, whether it's Candace Owens or whoever you speak to, mm-hmm. people get it. And I think, you know, letting our children know that, you know, you got to stand up, right? You got to defend Jesus, Uh, you know, and however you do it, especially in a story, really, and you got parents reading to the kids, so you're getting two birds with one stone.
1: Right, right. Well, you said it. Look, I always felt the the whole reason I wrote the Will Wilder series, and the reason I write for children at all and write these picture books, it's not just to tell the story, because we only do a quarter of the work. Seventy-five percent of the work is done by the reader. My real goal is to cause not only will my story get told, but more importantly, parents and grandparents can share their stories with their children and their grandchildren and the next generation. That, that conversation is even more important than the book itself. The conversation that it provokes and the stories that it brings forward. Um, and not giving into fear. This story is, a, you know, these people are, are, are being hunted. Yeah. I mean, the reality of that. Uh, really hit me as I was working on this, but the message here is you can't give in to the fear, you know? Uh, Joseph tries to kill this spider at the top of the book, you know? Yes. Um, because he wants to protect his family, but he's acting out of fear. He's acting out of fear. And um, and there's a lesson in all of that. That's what I mean. With this kind of story, there are they're, um, reverberations upon reverberations of truth here, if you go deep enough, if you want to go there. Um, and that's why it appeals to all, you know, I, I do think that the age span of this, the appeal is pretty broad. And I wrote it in kind of a biblical style. Uh, you know, I it took me several attempts because I I, I I originally thought, oh, I'll put it in verse. But verse somehow cheapened the story. When I put it in verse, it got sing-songy and mm-hmm. it, I don't know. It kind of, it drew attention to itself. And so I think the verse only really works when you do rhyme a rhyme scheme. It really only works if it's a comedic Light book. This is not that story. So, I decided to just tell it straight out, and I and I mimicked a kind of um, a biblical sound. Uh, you know, so if you read it closely, you'll catch a few nods to the kind of uh, you know biblical approach here and there. So it sounds like it's a. It almost sounds like it's a story from the Bible that fell out. Or wasn't accepted. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it opens, It opens in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, Mary, her husband Joseph, and the baby Jesus fled Bethlehem by night, bound for the land of Egypt. I mean, it has a kind of epic feel to it. And I wanted that.
0: Well, wanted it, is, it know, is epic, know, epic right? Epic I mean, in the end, it, it, it's, it's very much so. And, uh, you know, right? you, you interview a lot of people, a lot of different topics. Do you get ideas for your Will Wilder series when you're interviewing people and thinking, you know, this is the evil that's dwelling among us and you kind of, does that help, you know, really uh, yes. Uh, yes. grow that those thoughts of, of you know, well, how do I communicate 40%. this to kids because they might be scared to death? Right.
1: Well, and that's the balancing act. You know, that's the balancing act. I'll give you a, a tiny example of it. Um, look, the world's an ugly place and we can't, children inherently know deacon and you know this Mm -hmm. um having raised children children inherently know they are hardwired for a a a spiritual sense they understand good and evil they get it on a very primal level and in a in a visceral way that adults don't i mean i you know in, in what i mean by that is you can walk into a place with a child and i'm thinking of something in my own childhood you can walk into a place with a child and they will stop at the doorway and not want to go in because they are sensing and feeling something there that is true and real. Now people might dismiss that, but places are evil and people are evil too. And people are good. Yeah. And a child is more sensitive to that. So, you know, the Will Wilder series is really about a kid who is sensitive. He can feel, um, and he has his own gift, but he has a very refined sense of good and evil. Um, I think all children have that. So you want to acqu- you want to acknowledge what they know to be true and give them a story framework to understand it and communicate it. That's all. So that's really what you try to do in every story. I think. And in this story, it's here. There, there, there's good and evil. There, there are little hidden things in the illustrations. If you go back and look, there's, there's all sorts of Easter eggs throughout the illustrations yep. of um, – little hidden shadows here and there there there's something in a web i won't tell you what but um there's a web in one of the illustrations that you know is is very there's something being communicated there uh because i think that's how life is um and yeah i I use all the experience that i take in some good some not so good to uh to shape the fictional worlds i'm i'm spinning yeah you, you absolutely do. Look, uh, Deacon, people think, oh, you know, you're making this up because, you know, in my Will Wilder stories, demons come blow into town and people start following them and horrible things start to happen. And it's just this band of kids and a group of old people who are basically confronting this thing and taking it down. Well, you know, we have a story in, in Louisiana this week, and I don't want to scandalize people, but, yeah. you know, you're you a priest who uh, yeah, just read these it. horrible people. Yep. And, yeah, it's a horrible story, basically desecrating an altar in the most profane way. Yep um what explains that what explains that only only a demonic evil force could explain such a thing um and how do you fight against that well that's what we all entertain in these stories that's what we that's what we wrestle with how do you fight evil and how do you um bring good and and defend the good and the true that's that's really what every great story is from Charlotte's Web to Treasure Island. That's what it's all about. They're all that story. And that's why I love The Spider Who Saved Christmas gave me an opportunity to um, create. And look, I'm doing sort of what William Shakespeare did. You know, Shakespeare never wrote an original play in his life. He took old stories and then refurnished them, expanded them, changed the characters, and he remade them. And that's what I've done here. I took a very raw, um, uh, bare Tale, and I've kind of dressed it up and gave, you know, created this character, of the spider and added some flourishes around the end. Um, and that's what we do. We, we, you're trying to you're trying to reach the next generation with something that's true and something that sits in the midst of the greatest story ever told. Um, and I, I, you know, I love that. Yeah. I
0: love and I think it's in that. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, really what you're doing, you're, you're talking about the tension of life, right, with the. Moving towards Christ with the evil one trying to get in the way, I mean, there's that natural tension that happens in all of our lives, and let's talk about it, right? let, it, let us let us right. sh- focus on Christ because that's where we're headed, but there is this good and evil tension that's going to be throughout our lifetime, and to pretend right. it's not there is to our detriment.
1: Right, no, no, and we and, and so much, and frankly it's it's absent from literature and children's literature today. There's an embarrassment of the supernatural as as flannery O'Connor used to say well i i'm i'm I think we do our children and ourselves a disservice when we don't acknowledge a reality and um this is reality it's this battle this eternal battle is reality in fact it's at the heart of reality, and if we don't if we don't give our children language to to understand it and communicate it. They'll never – they'll ignore it. They'll ignore it. And that's the stakes, and that's a very bad thing um, because then they're caught flat-footed as adults, and you don't want that. No, You can't have that.
0: Nope, that's terrible. And I think that's what you do, whether it's on EWTN or Fox News, right? You're shining a light on what the heck's going on, right? It isn't like let's We're pretend not. it's not there. Let's no, Let's no. bring it we out into the light, on. and that's why I really appreciate your reporting and the way you do things because – you don't hide things, even if it, you know, doesn't make the church look good. It doesn't matter. If this is reality, people need to see it.
1: No, people want the truth. People want the truth. And look, it's not always pleasant. It's, it's, it's. Uh, it, 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 there are many days where, frankly, I don't want to report on <laughs> certain matters. Yeah, I don't want to talk about people anymore. My, if I talk about Cardinal McCarrick one more time, I think I'm going to go, you know, yeah, to a bar. Yeah. Um. But you have to do it. And so the trick is to try to do it with good humor, um, put it in some context, and, um, and, and, and try to uh, take an eternal perspective on it all and not get bogged down in the ugliness. Because, look, I know a lot of journalists who also cover this stuff, and they go right into They fall prey to the great temptation, which is anger and despair. Yep. Um, and that's a tough balancing act. You know, I've been doing this for almost twenty five years. It's hard, and I think if I didn't, if I didn't have a little bit of uh, Will Wilder in me and, <laughs> and a little Mother Angelica, I don't know if I could survive it. Because um, you know, these works are also my respite. It's where I find people say, "Oh, you go to the, you? Do you write these? Do you write these fictional pieces to escape reality?" No, no, no. I write these fictional pieces to escape to reality because I'm writing about humanity, good and evil. And in my books, the good guys win. (laughs) So I'm not always sure about the other world that I occupy. Well, that's true. um,
0: But God, but God wins in the end, right? He wins the war anyway. So really that's, that's what you're, that's what you're pointing to. The ultimate victory has been won. We just got to deal in these
1: battles. Well, and you got to stay in the, you got to stay in the story and you got to keep you know, doing your part. I think what happens so many times is, um, well, well Orson Welles used to say, you know, w- w- how do you get a happy ending? Well, it depends on where you stop the story. Yeah. So <laughs> you're right. <laughs> Good uh, answer. It's a, it's a happy ending in the end. The problem is people stop the story too early and, um, you know, and you, you, you can't stop there. You have to go the rest of the way.
0: So we're down to just a little over a minute to go. How can people follow what you're doing and are you working on any, you're working on the fourth Will Wilder or any other projects going on? I am.
1: I'm working on the fourth Will Wilder book. I'm working on a Christmas special for Fox. Um, I am also, I just finished another picture book that's coming out at Easter, which I think you'll like. It's another uh, interesting legend that fills uh, cracks in the story we think we know uh, and it's got kind of an Easter theme. Um, what else am I doing? And then, of course, doing the you know continuing to do the weekly stuff at AWTN and Fox. So that's plenty.
0: That's yeah, I don't I don't know, you know how you have enough time in the day. To be honest, I when when they called to schedule the interview, I'm thinking, how does he have time to talk to some knucklehead out in Denver? But you managed to um, find the
1: time. You know, Deacon. If if I didn't, if I weren't doing a bunch of things and several different things. I wouldn't do one because I'm I'm a terrible procrastinator. So, by having multiple deadlines, it keeps me running back and forth to the different pots and make sure everything's you know where it should be. Otherwise, I just sit at home and I don't know watch Netflix. So I, <laughs> <laughs> so I that which which would really not be good. No. So uh, so I'm 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 happy to have the work and and you know to create something that I think is uplifting and, uh, and, and uh, true for the audience. So
0: where, what, can you tell people your website, your Twitter, so they can follow yeah. what you're doing?
1: You can all, Well, the most important thing for now, the Spider Who Saved Christmas is on Amazon. It's right. Barnes & Noble. You can go to discoverlegends.com. There's a little preview there and a pre-order page, or you can go to my website, raymondaroyal.com.